Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. If you ask any person what they want, everybody wants some. And that's what we're talking about today. Two exclamation points. Two exclamation points. We're talking everybody wants some new Richard Linklater movie here on Anatomy Movie with Phil Svitek and Sarah Stratton. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. That's right, we do. I still don't know what my Sharona actually means. But if it's a good thing, you're my Sharona? Question mark? Well, like, I also don't know what it means, so I don't know if I should be, like, flattered or insulted. But I like the song, so I'm going to go with I think it's a good thing. That's right. Now, luckily, I've been able to convince Sarah Stratton that this is an 80s movie before the show actually began. Well, referencing the music, in my mind when I watched it, it felt like so much more of like a 70s, like, but all the songs are like from kind of 78, 79, but Wikipedia does state that it takes place in 1980. It just takes place in like one weekend in 1980, so a lot of it's motivated by what was popular in the late 70s, though. That's right. Well, let's take a quick step back. As I mentioned, we're talking about Everybody Wants Some, the sports comedy drama by Richard Linklater. Um, Here on Anatomy Movie, we discuss all things, cinematography, writing, acting, development, story, editing, so on and so forth. Um, So if this is your first time, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. (laughs) Um, And needless to say, there's going to be a lot of spoilers Oh yeah! If you Sorry. if you haven't seen this movie yet, uh, you might want to pause us, go out, see the movie in one of the few theaters it's been at, and then come watch our show. By the way, not that it's uh, not that it's that plot heavy. You could summarize it: it's a bunch of baseball kids uh, a couple days before college begins. That's, That's the plot. True. That is. I think that this kind of goes into a little bit of my overall opinion, which is that. I did enjoy this movie. I thought it was funny. Um, I would watch it again. But I, it's kind of one of those movies that you like it based on how you view it. For instance, to explain that, for this movie, I really recommend watching it with friends. I don't think I would have liked this movie nearly as much if I watched it alone in my house. Like, seeing it in a theater with a friend to, like, laugh with really helped it because it's not plot heavy so you kind but of is need that, that every of his movies or just this movie specifically because I, I i have had instances like waking life i could totally see mm-hmm. and i have watched it alone but i i also see your point for this um i just think i don't like i don't think if i'd watched this alone i would have think thought it was a bad movie i just i was encouraged by the laughter in my audience to stay tuned and to stay invested, and it's it's a movie you want to talk about. But did about you get? With your did friends. you? Do you feel like you got to the lower levels? Because I I feel like if you watch it with friends, you can have enjoyment and mm-hmm. you can kind of get a little bit below the surface. But I think if you watch it alone, then you're able to take more meaning out of it because it is multi layered. I mean, all I their mean, dialogue. Yes, they, it's, it's very like we're sending you a message and what we're saying and. To me, uh, I liked that it was there. I was never deeply affected by any of the messages because nothing struck me as, like, that new of a concept. Um, It was, you know, finding your life and learning about love and college and, you know. Been there, done that. Yeah, so it it wasn't anything profound to me. So the movie doesn't rest on that. The success of this movie, for me, rested on the... 
chemistry between characters and the ability for it to be funny, but not get like naturally funny. Mm-hmm. Like it did feel realistic and natural. And I really enjoyed that bit. I also think you have to go into this or going into this with the expectation that it doesn't go with your normal formulaic plot devices or you don't have a big goal happening that's just this little slice of life, knowing that helps this movie. Because mm-hmm. what you expect does affect your reaction. When you to did film. have, I mean, at the end of the day, you did have the convention of a new guy mm-hmm. enters something, right? Fish out of water, yeah. perhaps. Um, so that was like the biggest convention. And then it took the, a literal time clock or a time bomb and just. That was what was, and you didn't know where, you knew it was leading to the start of college, but why that was important, you had to interpret on your own. Well, I, and I was one of the people who didn't know that this was about a weekend. So I was expecting more from the college year, from something to happen kind of with the baseball team. Um, I, I, I try and stay away from reviews before I see them, so that's probably why I didn't know. Um but I was able to get on board with quickly, and I enjoyed it enough that it didn't bother me too much. But at the end, I, I watched this movie, and I was kind of like, wow, this feels like a very long, great TV pilot. Where I was like, fantastic characters. Um, I want to see what happens next. But it didn't feel complete to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm struggling with whether or not I think that's a good thing. What Hot American Summer kind of did that. You could say mm-hmm. like you had the whole movie, then you had the Netflix series, and that was like the first day of camp, and then now yeah. we're getting into the other stuff. So perhaps it could happen. It could happen. But if it if there is no if this story doesn't get furthered in any way, am I satisfied with what I saw? And I I really don't know if I am or not, because there's so much I do want to know that I would appreciate seeing in some form, Mm -hmm. but I enjoyed the movie. So it's not a a negative. It's a weird limbo. I feel that I'm in with everybody. Just like the characters. Well, I I know that the cast has been pushing for like, everybody wants some more. So (laughs) everybody wants some more. There you go. Um, I gotta say, if I, if I had one recommendation, I got really lucky with this movie. I got to see it at Arc Like Hollywood. I, I did see it with a friend. And um, we, we, we started off a couple of drinks. Now, by having those drinks, we ended up ha- um, having to go to a later screening because we missed the first screening. And then I did not know they served beer at the concession stand, too. And so seeing those guys drink... All, while all, drinking. yeah, they were just. It, so I recommend with friends, and you recommend while drinking. Yeah, okay. with friends. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. Just to be clear. Just to be clear. But I think we both said that one thing we can agree on is that the era, the period of time that was captured was alluring and interesting. Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, one of the things you know to wrap up, sort of the quick thoughts of all of it. Um, I told you off off air. It, you know, I enjoyed it, but there's a narcissistic side of me that wanted it to be about the 90s, something I could relate more to. But it was I, good nonetheless. But it made you want to be part of this. It didn't make you want to be part of this era at all. Yeah. With the tight shirts and the tight jeans. and uh. I, I'm wearing a, you know, I figured I'd wear a baseball tee today. After Buzz TV inspired one. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a lot of fun, um, and I think it, it just kind of, at the end of the day, it, it, it bridged generations of, like, yeah. while the times may be different, 
Um, everyone sort of goes through this in their own way and, and just things change now. Obviously, the, the, the generation going through it now, there's cell phones, there's social media, there's all this. But there's a lot of things that are the same. Yeah. A lot of themes that are the same. Absolutely. All right. So we should probably get into more about how this was made, shall we? Let's do it. Well, Link, Linklater at the time in about 2014 was working on a movie uh, called The Incredible Mr. Limpet. And it didn't ever cut fully off the ground. But um, in yeah, case it, you're wondering, this is the one that you have written that yes. it was about a talking fish that helps the U.S. Navy locate and destroy a Nazi submarines. I would like to see that. <laughs> it's already made. It was a remake of a, of a movie back in the day by Disney. Yeah, so I guess they were talking about doing a Live remake. Action. Of a remake, that. remake, remake. Linklater was. Sounds lovely. It, it sounds interesting. You know, and here's the thing. I, you know, part of it, um, I don't know what the full thing is, but to me, you know, the fact that it's already been made and things like that, he could have added a new spin to it, but I don't, he wants to, Link Later to me is all about originality. All right. I agree. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about him is that he does try and add his new spin on things over and over again, messing with plot, messing with filming, and he normally does a really good job i don't typically put his movies as like the ones i want to watch over and over again but he does have a few that i'm very happy i watched at least once there you go um and originally the the movie was called that's what i'm talking about which mm-hmm. was apparently a line and dazed and confused i i have seen dazed and confused but it's been a while Same. so i'm dazed and confused about it yeah i'm like i've seen this movie probably 10 times but I, how much do i really remember about dazed and confused i mean there's Other matthew mcconaughey and uh and and, and, and there's uh, girls and cars and drinking and then eventually um uh, what's the kid's name who eventually ended up in waking life as the main protagonist Oh, I'm I'm Same. bad at these quizzes on the spot. Me too. But so he did become involved, but he didn't. He started planning this movie or had the idea for um, what was then called. That's what I'm talking about. Back when he started filming, like Boyhood, in yeah. about 2002, he had the idea, and then he started kind of playing with the script or writing more notes down and i believe 2005 2006 he had a draft yeah he had a draft it was completely different it was like 180 pages in and the that's full where, freshman year yeah that that because you know what you were kind of looking for of you know more and more he had that mm-hmm. and and then it just sort of came together because the length as he kept revising it the entire weekend just kept being what was the longest part of it and he was like you know what i'm gonna focus on mm-hmm. that um yeah, he had all these chunks throughout the first year, and then it just got narrowed down to the first weekend, which we saw, and that was because he didn't want a movie that really focused on the team or on how the the season in baseball went. He really wanted a movie about characters, and I think he accomplished that. And I think that is a that's a big qualification for me whether or not a movie's a success. One, yes, if I like it and it was entertaining and if I want to see it again. Two, if the people involved made their goals, if they did what they wanted to do. Because then even if I didn't like it, guess what? The people who made it accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. That is so – that's very satisfying. Yeah, I mean what I liked about it and, you know, I, I, he hasn't like outright said it, but – um I like the fact that basically Jake is just thrown into all of this. Like, you know what I mean? When you're starting off college, you kind of want to try to perhaps acclimate at your own pace. Mm-hmm. Here, he's not given a choice. He's he's going, even though the movie 
could seem slow, he's going a million miles an hour at this. And any which way he turns, there's always someone to talk mm-hmm. to and do something. And, the, and eventually the only escape he has is Beverly because she's so distanced from this jock yeah. type from of this, world. From the team. Yeah. From the team. I Yeah, I agree that in throwing him in, they really got the ball rolling. Um, you're constantly moving around with these different character parts that you got to know very quickly, which I appreciated. I think, though, if... Anyone else had tried? I know that Linklater had kind of a hard time, not hard, hard, but um, not the easiest time getting this made just because he had to find someone who would finance a movie uh, that didn't have a traditional plot, that didn't have any huge named actors. And it is, I mean, it's it's $10 million budget, and while that sounds like a lot, it's, it's, it's not it's that not much, much, especially when the actors that you, the amount of actors mm-hmm. you have. But if someone other then Linklater had made this movie, it would have been even more difficult. And I guarantee you the budget would have been a third of the cost. Yeah. Because they would have been like, no, you're, you have to figure this one out. This is, and it probably wouldn't have been seen by nearly as many people. No, it is getting a wide, right now, you know, we saw it in a very limited release and it is kind of going to expand mm-hmm. um, from there. And it's going to be interesting to, to see how it fully expands. I, I really want to see kind of see it more in places. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, since you're you're an actress, I want one of the things I, I wanted to ask you: what they tested them also on physicality mm-hmm. um, and and things like that. Now, ultimately, it doesn't end up being that big of a thing in the movie, and so I'm wondering why. Um, so we're talking about in the casting, a couple of the actors have come out and said that there was something like a three round process. So first, there was an interview where they had to figure out who these people actors were were in high school and college then there were some videos to see if they could play baseball uh things like batting pages uh batting cages in a pitching contest so all of these leading up to probably what the third thing was was chemistry tests and meeting and do you think that was a fair because i mean most of it is dialogue based so Um, like you can have someone i mean you could have the, the the best baseball players. I mean, I think it it varies. Like so often, you'll hear about movies that have some unknown skill, and if you're an A-list actor, you normally get trained. Uh, if that's in sword fighting or combat, but a lot of times your uh, B characters or maybe not as big of names, having those skills already in place helps you. And so, for when casting this. You have Jenner admits that he had never played baseball before, but the fact that he looks like an athletic guy, that he's coordinated, I'm sure that helps. Um, You have some of your other characters who did and could relate that experience. And I'm sure in the casting room, when you're talking about a movie about baseball, when you can say that, um, I want to say it was Tyler Hoechlin, and I can't remember who else. I want to say maybe Ryan Guzman. But there was a couple people who did play almost like in college and had a really big history with the sport. And that means you can talk about it. And you're probably more engaging in the interview and you can say you have all these things. And that just, on top of if you're a good actor and you have a name, that's another selling point for you. I don't think, I think that when it comes to having this videos of if they could play baseball, it probably wasn't a like the deciding factor, I think it probably mostly helped people rather than hurt them. Because as you see, your lead, Jake, did not play baseball. So it wasn't like the line you had to meet was being able to play. 
But I know that he also, for the casting, he has big group of guys, basically one girl in the movie. He brought, Linklater brought them all together and had them live on his ranch in, I believe, outside of Austin for about three weeks before shooting so they could get to know each other, so they could swim, so they could practice baseball, so that they could have rehearsals, and so that he could create that chemistry that you see right off the bat in the movie. And I think that worked really, really well. I thought so, too, because obviously if you're, you know, if you're pretending to live with these people, well, then you'll already know what it's like to live with this amount of people. Um, and one of the things, one of the things that, you know, um, that I appreciate about this movie, it's both happy and sad because if you're most like college athletes, mm-hmm. that's oh, pretty, you know, that's pretty much as far as you're going to get most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously there's a, there's a few guys in, even in here who might have a shot at the big league, but for the most part they don't. And, um, and that's why I like the ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, and why, you know, but at the same time, it would have made sense to kind of go the full year because then obviously the, the seniors times up fully for them. Yeah. I also, I, one thing I did like about that is that typically your lead is your most talented player or is your most, has potential because of their talent and their honor or whatever that they're going to succeed and Blake in this although they never pictured him to be bad at the sport he was never put on a pedestal or exceptional to his teammates I can't believe they made fun of pitchers so much it's like the the, the, the pitcher is like your most important person on a baseball team pretty yeah much. but I mean Link later played baseball himself so I'm sure he's pulling from his own experience in reality I've never been on a college male <laughs> Um, baseball team, so I can't I wonder why. confirm or deny that that is true. I think it played really well because I liked that your main character was neither your hero or your underdog. He was just part of the team. Yeah, he was just, if anything, he was just the new one of the new guys, and he wasn't even the only new guy or the weirdest new guy. He. He arguably could have been like the best new guy, but I liked I liked that character that they developed, and that's who we were centering on. Well, I also think what I what I like about it is that baseball is just the backdrop for their own kind of place in the world, right? I mean, up and again, as I mentioned, up until now, they've all been defined, and, and, and even Jake says it um, by baseball. But now everyone's the best of the best, and this is. This may be the finish line, and one of the, one of the big things that's uh, being talked about this movie is it sexist or is it not? And ultimately, even though you can look at it in that way, and there's a lot of girls in there, they're using it as a means of competition yeah. against one another. Because that's just yeah. everything they've done, they, whether it's the Nerf ba- uh, football or basketball, I mean, ping pong, whatever. I mean, it it is. It is sexist, or it is from male gaze, but I'm not trying to say that in, like, the harshest way of, like, oh, it shouldn't have been made that way, because I think that as sexist as it is, and maybe that's not really pushing forward the right um, message, it also, there's a, a truthful element to it, even now, even today, f- frats are known for being... Um, not the most 
wow. feminist-friendly organizations. I, I mean, it's a touchy subject, but I think that if you're dealing with 1980, a guy's baseball team, there is going to be a lot of staring at girls, making comments about girls, um, and you kind of have to expect that. I'm not saying it's the best thing to put forward, and I'm not saying that this should be the film that young guys look to for what they aspire to be or how they aspire to treat women. But I also don't think that it should be, like, shunned or, I don't know, criticized for being that way. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it just kind of is. I mean, again, every every everything is made up in these guys' heads. The fact that they think, like, they're the best on campus... It's still, it's it's not a fact. None of us is really proven. I mean, there, there's plenty of people who looked at them of like, who are you? Mm-hmm. And um, and so all all of this is just kind of made up in their own minds, and they're self important, which is fine. You know, if that's how you want to get through life. And the only one who's nice to girls like gets the girl, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Except for my favorite character is Finn. A lot of people's why mm-hmm. why why for you specifically, uh, um, Glenn Powell is the actor honestly just funny captivating the moment i realized he was my favorite was when they're in they have gone to like the underground kind of rock show and they're in like their third costume so we've already seen them in disco we've already seen them in cowboy attire and i just thought that his positivity about being there with um, and searching for girls and, like, transforming from these, like, different um, personalities was so positive and fun and believable that I was like, yep, this is great. I, this is my favorite character. He's kind of kind of crazy, but really, I think you wrote in here magnetic, and that was a really good word. Yeah. Magnetic performance. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, you know, one of the things that they also cited, they've been asked, like, because it's a talkie movie, is there a lot of improv? And there wasn't. And that's typical of a Linklater movie because a lot of times he says, like, I don't have a budget to shoot a lot of this. So what's written is written and we go for it. Yes. my. They also said that they were allowed to improv in when the rehearsal process. So by the time that they got to on screen anything that they had improv enough that made an impression had already made it into the script. So then by then, it was technically written. I often find that when interviews ask about improv, I never know if I actually fully believe the actors. Because unless you're someone like Seth Rogen or Will Ferrell who, or Jim Carrey, who's famous for improving and for um, being that and adding that to the film, I think a lot of directors and writers prefer that their actors say they don't improv. Mm -hmm. I know that you'll get that from like going to see some of the actors from Quentin Tarantino's movies speak. They'll kind of throw you some mixed messages because it seems like out of respect for your writer, director, whatever... You don't want to take that credit away from them. It's kind of like that's their world. Like you get to be on screen like that's yours. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I feel like they say they don't improv that much out of respect for their peers, which, you know, that's the way it is. But in this, they did say that 
improv was more in the rehearsal period. Interesting. I can see that. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I think Linkley, one of the, I would love to kind of be in the process because um, just everything he does uh, has always been, yes, it's, it's a lot of it's a slice of life, mm-hmm. but it's very specific. You know what I mean? You, Cause it could be, you know, when you start to get into a lot of improv, it could become like a documentary where you have to find the moments and mm-hmm. this and that. And then it doesn't quite work. Yeah. Improv makes editing, makes movie making harder, more expensive Very and hard. longer. Um, normally, if you're going to improv, it's normally the last line of the first line of the scene. But yeah, it, I, if it's going to make it in the film, at least. Because even if it's a, I will tell you, even if it's a good line, there's often times where it's like, oh, how do we do this? But then you can't necessarily, you have to figure out a way to edit around it because mm-hmm. it doesn't quite work with the rest of the scene or mm-hmm. with the cut, whatever the case may be. Um, I figured just a fun little nugget, uh, Glenn Reynolds, uh, for any Mets fans, that was a little Easter egg hmm. of sorts. Um, again, I'm not a baseball fan or a Mets fan, but you know what I mean. I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I I think that uh, you don't need to be a baseball fan to enjoy this movie. No, not by any means. Mm-hmm. You just have to like to drink. <laughs> Or have friends. One, one, of, one of the other. One of these. One of the above. Um, let's talk about the, 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 the main girl in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, Beverly, because she's, you know, at, at for, I, you know I, I'd love to kind of time it and see how time-wise it fully worked out because we get her in the beginning. And then there's a, there's a decent chunk of time where we don't see any interaction with mm-hmm. her. And, and then eventually he makes contact with the flowers and they, they talk over the phone and then it blossoms from there, if you will. Yes. Um, I liked her. The whole time I was trying to figure out why she looks familiar. I was like, and she hasn't been a lot, but I believe her her mother is pretty well known or something. But I thought she did a really nice job. She's sweet. Um, she, she isn't probably like my favorite, uh, how do I say this, love interest role. Um, well, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't necessarily... It was. I would say she was. She represented more of an escape from the madness of this world rather than a full love interest. I mean, at the end of the movie, like they've known each other for a small amount of period. Like they're mm-hmm. not in love at most. No. It's just infatuation. Yeah, I just I liked her and I do like the break that she provided, as you say. But um, I I felt like as most as I knew about her, even though they do try and have that deep conversation in the river. I never really got to know her um, or at least care about her. Like if they didn't have that moment in the end, would I really feel sorry or good for her? It didn't really matter to me. Well, there you go. Like maybe I'm, nothing I, matters. Maybe nothing really matters. No, but I thought that the break part, yes, she was nice, did a good job. Um, did we get to know her on a super deep level? No. Did it affect my overall liking of the movie? No. If there had been more, could it have imp- made my liking of the movie even greater? Maybe. Fair enough. Let me ask you this, too. Um, one of the things I thought, casting-wise, they did a good job. Like, obviously, so, some of these actors are a little, you know, Glenn Powell, for for example, uh, a little bit more known, uh, most recently that I can think of, right along too. He was in, mm-hmm. um, but 
you, you mentioned like kind of just even with her that she reminded you of somebody. I thought, you know, the, each of those characters you can see like uh, each one of us having someone like that in our lives. You know, and again, whether They're relatable, in, yeah, whether in the more present or if you're nostalgic mm-hmm. and you live through that era and that era, but um, each one of them seemed very, uh, you know, Americanized, <laughs> for lack of a better term. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Um, relatable, grounded, Americanized. Yeah. Sure, I think that the cast. I'm going to hand this one to to Linklater. I think that when you give your cast that long to live with each other in bunk beds and to just like kind of play and hang out outdoors, you're preparing them to to shine together on screen. Like it's a good move. I'm sh- it's an expensive thing that I think most people can't afford to do and most uh cast maybe if you have bigger names don't have the time to set aside for on top of filming. But he created the opportunity for his actors to do that, and it worked really well. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about, you know, so it's been compared to Days and the Confused, obviously. Mm-hmm. In some ways, Linklater himself, and I think this is more probably of a PR thing. He says it's a, it's a th- follow-up to Boyhood because Boyhood ends right before college. This begins right yeah. at college. I don't know how much I buy of that, but in theory, they're spiritually all connected. Yeah, it's a spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused, but really he's, yes, said that it's more of comes off of where the boyhood ended, even though then it jumps into the past. Um, I don't know how to take it, except for the fact that I'm sure Linklater's mind works in a way, mind works in a way much different than mine. So, like, I don't see them as connected. I don't feel the need to watch Boyhood before I watch this or even to watch these mov- those movies together. But if he sees it that way and that propels him to write more movies like that are good and well-received, then he can think of them whatever he, way he wants. Well, here's why, I mean, to me, the Boyhood comparison is a little bit... That's the least one mm-hmm. that makes the most sense because, I, you know, that's someone... You you could say the biggest comparison is kind of someone trying to find themselves, and then you know at the end of that movie, they mm-hmm. I guess reach from boyhood to manhood. But then in this movie, even though you technically have men, they still don't know who they really are either. I don't know. Um, so that'd be the best connection that I can make in terms of days and confused. Obviously, it's uh, multiple people. It's a short amount of time, and everyone's. I mean, everyone's read up on every philosophy book in the world, it seems like, and and kind of spewing their own thoughts on it. Well, he, Linklater says he pulls from his own life a lot in his writings or his experience. So he'll say that Days and Confused comes from his high school days. And he says that this comes from his college days. So where boyhood fits in that timeline, I don't know. But he's talked about, he's even mentioned that in the future there could be something else coming from his, like, the next a young director. Well, they've not as much the setting, but they've talked about how he went through in the mid 80s, kind of like an underground 80s music phase that was like not with the popular scene, like underground, like I want to say rock. Well, and before so, that, he worked on an oil rig. So maybe this is where the future from an oil rig the to next underground one music. is going. Probably, maybe. Um, but, you know, one of the things I do respect about him, I, I think he's a very smart, philosophical guy. And most movies get criticized for having, 
didactic dialogue. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, he manages to do it, whether it's poetic or however it is. Or maybe it's just because I, I, I still can't quite put a finger on it because there have been movies where like people just get high and, and, and ramble off like philosophical banter, but he does it in such a smart and different way that it always worked for me. And I was always interested and maybe he just has an interesting take that others don't on philosophy, hmm. you know? And that's why I've, I've always been a fan of waking life because that has no plot <laughs> and you can literally almost watch each little bit as a short film on its own. Um, you know, so I, I've been a fan. I, I'm a fan. Also, like, I was just looking up his uh, Rotten Tomatoes reviews and everything like that. And and this is from top to bottom, meaning the highest first yes, the highest to first. So his highest rated thing, like later's highest rated movie, um, is Before Sunrise, 1995. It has 100%. Then he has a bunch of movies in, in the 90s range on Rotten Tomatoes. Before Sunrise, Boyhood, Before Midnight, Before Sunset. Uh, Dazed and Confused, School of Rock, um, Every Everybody Wants Some is up there right now, Bernie. Like, that is a lot he's doing really well. Then he has more in the 80s range, uh, just a couple in the 70s, a couple in the 60s, and then his lowest scoring is technically 21 years, Richard Linklater, but I don't know well, if I'm going to count actor. that. Yeah, we're going to count... Uh, Bad News Bears at 48% uh, mm. from 2005, and then Fast Food Nation at 50% uh, 2006. But he has a ton of movies that have really, really strong reviews. People didn't like Scanner Darkly as much, huh? 69. You can, you can look it up if you want to go to Rotten Tomatoes. Normally you can just type in the director's name and I'll give you everything they've done. But I found it interesting just to see where... Everybody Wants Some is turning up in his ratings right now, how it's going to do, everything like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think in time it will be very favorable. I mean, obviously he's not the most commercially successful director in the world, but, uh, but he's been doing this for quite a long time. And he's been doing it long enough and has a strong enough recommendation that he can go out on a limb and kind of be imaginative and be original and uh, i think we're just going to keep on seeing more movies from him that aren't what you typically expect out of a comedy or drama or whatever well, he chooses he has a knack for uh, finding great actors right we, mm -hmm. we talked a lot about the and, and you know a lot, in a lot of interviews they kind of try to push the issue of like hey you know in dazed and confused everyone went on to be famous do you think you'll be famous it's like, well, no, we we did a good movie, and you know, yes, but like, hopefully, you like my performance enough that yeah. you'll hire me based off of that. But that's not, you know, the goal. It was yeah. to make a good movie, and that's always his separation. Like they've said, they, they didn't even hear Days and Confused mentioned on set once. Like it is about making the best movie they can make at that time and period. Not looking at the trajectory. They're talking about it now if they're going to make another one or whatnot, but that's not the goal when this when this movie is started. Yeah. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> um, let's see. Uh, one of the things, he, you know, and so Bad News Bears, right? That's actually a remake, and so this is a, probably a good quote of um, it's tough, man. It's, unless it's a temple sequel, remake, or over-the-top comedy, that's all the studios are even doing. Uh, they've kind of admitted they're not in the business of doing anything else. The slightest level of irony, intelligence, and boom, you're out of the league. You're done. 
Um, and, you know, interestingly enough, there it is. But he also says, nothing is going to knock me off my game because I have some pretty low-budget films <laughs> I wanted to. There um, you go. You know, and... and I think he's in the the same camp as Robert Rodriguez is like as long as you can contain your budget and things like that, you can be as creative as you can and, and you can kind of make the movie that you ultimately want to make because it forces creativity. Um, now, in terms of in terms of making sure that the era fit, because uh, there's there's some period movies that you know they they'll play with the period right. They'll combine like what the '80s were through that whole period. And even though this takes place in 1980, we'll see elements of 85 and so forth. But he he was very specific of like nothing. Like it's 1980. It's not I 1981. Think I think there's one song or something that gets in there that's actually. What's that one? Uh, I'd have to look. It's on my IMDb. It's in the goofs. I believe there is something that makes it past. Mm. One slip up supposedly. I'd have to check on that Interesting. again. But they, for the most part, they do a very, very good job. Yeah, I mean, they they described, um, Blake described uh, um, Linklater as he was the time period coach for, from the future. I called him the sexy Doc Brown. That's his set nickname while they shot in Texas in their tight clothes. Yeah, I mean, you know, everything had to be perfect. They had, they had a hairstylist that was that grew up in that time period and was very uh, particular about it. And then they had someone that, um, you know, she she wasn't... Customer? At, what's that? Oh, I was just trying to fill in. Who who else did they have? Uh, like the hair and the makeup hair and people, makeup. right? Mm-hmm. And so there was this one girl who, you know, didn't live through that time period. And, and you know, one day she, she, like, did something. I forget what exactly was on one of the girls. And they were like, well, you got to change that. She's like, oh, you know, and she was fine with it. But uh, that's how particular they were. They had to make sure everything was perfect. Um, of course, they shot in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where he's from, um, and that's where he went to college. <laughs> so it only makes sense. Um, and yeah, not a ton though. For I mean, this isn't a strong movie in special effects or anything like that. It really is just all about adding the right music, making the right look, um, and that is getting a team of, like you said, people who are very precise. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of, so, um, you know, the cinematographer, uh, it's um, Shane F. Kelly, um, has worked on Scanner Darkly, Boyhood, um, and so they, they've worked with, with Linklater, and then um, in terms of editing, Sandra um, Dar has worked on Boyhood, Boyhood. Scanner Darkly. It's the same Scro- team. <laughs> yeah. Bringing you know I mean? the same people together. That's what you like. I mean, you you know, you I know you work with Roxy Stryer, who's also on Popcorn Talk, mm-hmm. and you know, you guys have been friends since college, and and now it's it's been a few years, and so that's what you like to see is you like to formulate, and, and you know, and, and sometimes it's nice to see when people do split off for a little bit on maybe one project or another, and then they come back, and what's fun is when they bring back those experiences to the next project that they do collaborate on. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of been happening here through through a lot of it, so. Yes. Good I, for them. I think the most, the one thing that I continue to take away from how Linklater makes movies is that he's just extremely specific, and he focuses on really trying to be authentic and creating the moments and the atmosphere of the worlds he's trying to create um, from hiring teams that he's worked with before that know how he works to making sure period's correct to, I know for the music, on top of picking the music, he would do things like, in one of the early scenes, um, 
when Jake is in the car with the teammates and they're singing the song. They're singing Rapper's Delight. And he he was tired. He picks these songs. He's tired. He says he's tired of them being parodied. But he said he made the actor sing the whole thing because it should feel real. Like, yes, they might cut it. Yes, they might only use a minute. But, like, this is about what you kind of create from the from your characters for the whole song. What in real life it would be like. Um, so, and then Link later actively fought hard to keep the whole song in the studio, in the film, when the studio tried to make him cut it. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad they cut it a little bit. <laughs> it might have been a little too long at 13 minutes. Just a little. Just a little long. <laughs> Listen, there's been a lot of... I feel like 2016, when we've talked a lot about where directors wanted a longer thing, the last thing that I, we t- that I had to unfortunately fight and say it should have been definitely cut down was a scene from... Um, uh, Batman vs. Superman? No, what's the what's the um, Sasha Cohen movie? Oh, uh... There's a nine-minute elephant scene that got cut down to three and a half minutes, and I was like, thank the Lord... And you know what? As great as it would have been to see these guys singing for 13 minutes, I'm glad they didn't. But I think it probably helped that they, he made them sing the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. I don't just, yeah. That that part of it's fine. Just I don't need it on screen for 13 minutes um, by any means. And so, what are, again, because this is such a Linklater heavy thing, what I respect about him is that each movie that he does, while you can compare certain elements, he he takes a certain amount of risk where it's not the same. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that he can go from um, rotoscoping to, and Boyhood was such a weird and different venture that, you know, if anyone else tried to recreate it, it'd just be a direct copy. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, while this is sort of similar like Days and Confused, it's still different. So Mm -hmm. he he has that grand scope where he's not doing quite the same thing every single time, Mm -hmm. which sometimes some people do. There's, he is... A very original and constantly creative person. And that's why he keeps getting acknowledged. Although I don't think this is going to get quite the praise that Boyhood did in in terms of nominations or anything like that. Uh, It is getting a good word of mouth. Yeah. And so far, it's a very limited release. And it's made, um, to my knowledge, as of right now, $411,000. Um, so against its ten million budget, obviously it's still very, very still early. rolling out. It, so. it, it would be unfair to say like, oh, it's gonna fail. It didn't, you know, it bombed at the box office its opening weekend. Like it's, it literally played in three theaters all across LA. Like it's, yeah, we're, we're good. So I'm far. interested. I'm interested. I think that uh, critical response has been strong. Uh, you've got, I think, as you said, 91 on Rotten Tomatoes right now. It's got about a 7.8 out of 10 on other sites. Um, I think that I'm interested to see how the greater public receives it, and I kind yeah, because we don't even have a cinema score right now, mm-hmm. technically. I am just hoping that it gets out there that this is just kind of about a weekend, and don't expect your normal team story or you know, it's not a uh, plot heavy. When it ended, let me ask you, when it ended, what what did you think? Because, like, I had no indication of when it was What's actually going to end. I was kind of like... And it just ended. And I was fine with it, but it was, there was that, like, split second of abruptness. Yeah. Where, like, oh, 
Is it over? <laughs> oh, okay, I good. I just chuckled. I yeah. was just like, okay. <laughs> so. He could have ended any time he wants. But that's the thing that people have to expect. You know, I hope that it'll the movie will do better if they make a more a stronger awareness about that. And see it with friends. That's my recommendation. Yeah, I, I really hope so, too. And I, I kind of like these, you know, I, th- I think if more movies so- sort of rolled out slowly, it would be a little bit better because I, th- there's been so mo- mo- many movies now that we've talked about that I don't think the marketing's done well for uh, it. That also varies. You, you get a movie that is budgets over $20 million that does a slow rollout that's not that good. Nah. That's not good. Totally well, then don't have a bad movie. <laughs> Make great movies, and you can release, release them however you want. Listen, Revenant did that model pretty darn well. I was expect I was one of those people like this movie's never going to make it back. It's a hundred and thirty-five million dollar budget, and boy, was I wrong. Thanks to the awards. Well, sometimes that helps. All right. Any last thoughts on Everybody Wants Some? Um, I thought it was fun and funny. Loved the music. I think that that sucks you in straight away. Um, I will. You have to, you mentioned the beers, and I think that if I watch this again, that will be added to Darn my right. list of things to include for watching this movie. Darn right! I'm <laughs> telling you, it's a, it's a it's a great discovery. I'm not gonna. They sold beer at the concessions. <laughs> you know, it takes on a whole. So this this is what we're ending with. <laughs> Blinklander's movie made us increase our wanting to drink while watching movies. No, well, no. Here's the, it, it made me nostalgic and want to have fun, and and it was one of those things that it was a work night, but but at the same time, you're kind of you were brought back to that moment when you, you know that you have a set of responsibilities that perhaps that you know deep down this is the worst decision you could possibly be doing, but you know what? You're gonna live for the moment. And I don't know if that ever goes away because everybody wants some. And that's what I'm going to leave you on. There you go. Anything else to add on your side? Nope. All right. Where can the good people follow you if they want to know um, more? At Sarah underscore Stratton. I'm also on Box Office Breakdown here on Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. And uh, every now and then on Rich and Covino. <laughs> every now and then. I seem to have budding. Our schedules are not working right now. Yeah, well, we'll find it. We'll, we'll, we'll make it work. Like I said, now and then, every now and then, you're there. Um, thank you guys for joining us on this Anatomy of a Movie. Check out other past shows that we've done. We've done quite a bit of them, I think over 250, so a lot to browse through there. And uh, we've got a lot more coming up. Uh, things are a little bit quiet right now, believe it or not. So the next movie we've got coming up immediately is uh, God's Not Dead 2. Um, and in the near future, we've got Captain America. We've got X Men. We've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We've oh, got they just keep on rolling out these juggernauts. That's right. We we got quite a bit of them. Uh, but I'm sure we'll sprinkle in some gems, just like everybody wants some in in that time. So thank you for joining us. The Popcorn Talk on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Uh, movie Anatomy for Anatomy of Movie specifically. And thank you guys for supporting us. If you guys have been here for some time, if you're a first time. Welcome. Person to the show, welcome. We're glad you're here. You don't have to see every movie that we do, but check back in for the movies that you have seen. That's all we ask. See you guys next time.
From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff, we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.